We were dead in trespasses and sin, blind with no desire to seek God in darkness. But God in His mercy sought you out and turned you, enabled you, and by grace brought you to Christ. Even though the indictment about sin is depressing, the hope of God and the power of the Holy Spirit is amazing, hopeful, and exciting. God is working to restore mankind, and you and I and His church are the means by which He's going to do that. That makes us responsible for our surroundings. You remember when we talked about the doctrine of man, we talked about we all being given a sphere of influence, right? If you're a mom, your kids are your sphere of influence. If you're, you, you're working somewhere, your co-workers, if, if, I don't know, if you have a podcast, whoever listens to you, if you preach your church, we all have a garden. Like Adam was given a garden. And we were told to work it, right? God said work it and, and maintain it. So our sphere of influence is our garden. We have to work it and we work it by putting out God's word and his means of grace. We are the vehicles that God is going to use to bring salvation to people. So we are responsible, but understand that we cannot, we cannot manipulate people. We preach the word and we go to sleep. <laughs> we preach the word and we go to sleep. God will do the rest of the work. Welcome to the Followers of the Way podcast for November 11th, 2018. Today, Brother Omar brings us part three of his message called Statement of Faith, Doctrine of Sin. Brother Omar reminds us that when we are born into this world, we are all born as sinners with a heart condition. He reminds us that the only way to recover from this condition is by the grace of God and by accepting his free gift of salvation. Now, Brother Omar says that our job as Christians is to present and make available the channels of God's grace so that God can do work in each person's heart and bring people to salvation. So grab your Bible and follow along with us as we explore God's word here on Followers of the Way. You guys know we're in our sermon series on the doctrine of sin. This is the third sermon on the doctrine of sin, statement of faith. You guys know the drill. And last time we were uh, talking about how in Adam we all sin. And we talked about how Adam is our representative, was our representative, and when he fell, we fell with him. We lost God. We were destitute of our relationship with God. And as a result of that, all of mankind, including ourselves, are born into a fallen world, and we are fallen peoples. So today, we're going to look at a, more specifically of how that affects us as humans, as human beings. So if you go to Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So, if you look at this verse, notice the phrase, every intention of the thoughts of his heart. Now, some theologians say that the word saw means observation. So it's not like, you know, God just took a gander at mankind. He saw, he, he comes to a conclusion after God observing mankind and looking into the heart, and he sees that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil, 
continually. So that expression shows, and Moses is, is the guy who wrote Genesis, that sin is not just an outward action, but it's an internal condition. The action of sinning is but a reflection of the desire and an intention of the heart. Now that's very important for us to understand. The sin is not just an action that you see. What you see is the reflection of what's inside. In James chapter 1, verse 14, the Bible says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire, then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. The desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin. If you notice the order, when a person is tempted, he is lured by his own desire, and the desire gives birth to sin. So, we see here, is each person is tempted according to their own desire, their own internal intentions of the heart. Their own lust, their own lust for sinful intentions of the heart. In other words, this is not an accident or a mistake or a bad choice, but a reflection of our own hearts. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, when we look at a doctrine of sin, we have to understand that sin is not mere action that people make, but it's a condition of our hearts. It's an internal condition of our hearts. This is all in Scripture. For example, in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus, He says this, He says, And He called the people to Him and said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hand does not defile a person. Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, etc. So the trajectory of sin begins inside and it works its way out into an action. That's what the Bible teaches. Let me go back. Romans chapter 3, go there in your Bibles. I'm going to stop showing you verses. I'm going to make it work. Go to your Bibles. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. I want you to see the trajectory as is shown by the Apostle Paul. Okay, Romans chapter 3, famous verse. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips, and their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Their paths are ruin and misery, and the, the, the way of peace they have no known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Look at the trajectory. Throat, tongues, lips, 
mouth. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of acid is under their lips, and their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. You see the trajectory is coming in from here. Throat, tongues, lips, and mouth. Feet that are quick to shed blood. There is no fear of God before their eyes. It comes from the inside working its way out. Now notice what he says. There is no fear of God before their eyes. The eye is the lamp of the body, Jesus said. It's what lets light. And if there's no fear of God before your eyes, there will be darkness in the soul and it's going to work its way out. So when each person is tempted according to their own desire, when that desire is conceived, it gives birth to the external action of sinning. And that action, when fully realized, brings forth death. Therefore, sin is an internal condition, not an outward action. The outward action is the effect of sin. So when we look at people, when we look at ourselves, and we look at society, understand that when people sin, they're not just making choices. They're just living out what's inside of them. That's important for you to understand because the, the condition unto which we are born, in fact, you will see this in Scripture, that the condition unto which we're born is so powerful that we are, we're told that we're under sin. It's not this inside, but we're under. We can't get out. We cannot make ourselves better. And our entire point of view in our society is, you know, the, the Dr. Phil psychology. You need to, uh, you need to uh, make better choices in life, etc., but that doesn't change you because if sin is an internal condition, it can only be changed internally and you cannot do it. So this goes against all of our society's way of thinking. The Bible clearly teaches that because in Adam we all sin, our nature is fallen. We have been affected by sin mentally, spiritually, morally, and physically. Here's a quote by an old preacher Reverend William Allen's, this is Evans, this is uh, The Great Doctrines of the Bible, it's a book that he wrote 100 years ago. He says this, the entire nature of man, mentally, morally, spiritually, and physically, is sadly affected by sin. The understanding is darkened. The heart is deceitful and wicked. The mind and conscience are defiled. The flesh and spirit are defiled. The will is enfeebled, and we're utterly destitute of any godlike qualities which meet the requirements of God's holiness. That's our condition as we come into this world. Arminius says this, The man has no saving grace of himself nor the energy of his free will, inasmuch as he in the state of apostasy and sin can of and by himself neither think, will, nor do anything that is truly good. So even in children... Like even in my daughter, I see it already. The selfishness, the sinful nature that we come into this world, we see it, and I even see it in her life. She's all about herself. She don't care about nobody. It's about her time. It's about what she can get. And as she grows, you know, as she grows in her life, this will become more and more prevalent, and it's going to be manifested differently until she grows into a state of accountability, and then sin is imputed to her. That's how we're born into this world. 
So, if this is true, that we have no saving grace of ourselves, or even energy of our free will, or we cannot even think or will do anything that is truly good, the question is, how do we, as human beings, get out of this condition? How do we, as human beings, get out of this condition? If we are dead, morally corrupted, if our free will is lost, our understanding is darkened, and on top of that, blinded by the devil, how do we make it here? How did you and you and you and you make it here? The answer is God's divine, prevenient grace. Jesus says, no man comes to me unless the Father who is in heaven draws him. Being saved is not just a decision that you make, although you do make a decision, but that decision is the result of a work of God done in your heart. I got here a very long quote, Chris Bounds. He's a professor in Asbury Theological Seminary, not to be confused with Dallas Seminary, Asbury Theological Seminary. He says this, all human beings, all human beings, all of us, in their natural state are spiritually dead to God, thoroughly sinful, under divine condemnation, helpless to change themselves, ignorant of their present condition, and incapable of grasping their true predicament in life. You don't even know your loss. That's what he's saying. Therefore, if salvation is going to happen, if salvation is going to happen, God must take the initiative. If people are to awaken from their spiritual sleep of death, experience conviction, conviction over their sin, repent and exercise faith in Christ for salvation, then God must do the work. Humanity has no internal resources with which to move toward God and progress in the way of salvation. God takes the initiative by giving humanity prevenient grace. Prevenient means that which goes before. Prevenient grace is the grace that God gives you before you're even saved. It's what brings you to salvation. It's what opens your eyes. Acts, if you go to the book of Acts, chapter 16, I want to show you this, how it's described in the Bible. Acts chapter 16, verse 11. This is the conversion of Lydia. She was the first European convert ever. Chapter 16. By the way, this is eight chapters after the Ethiopian Jew was saved. So I had a guy, I remember years ago, this is a side note, okay. Years ago I had a guy tell me that uh, I, worked, uh, I worked at this company before and he was into this, uh, what do you call these, uh, the, the rapper religion. The five percenters. And he was, he was always telling, well, yeah, whatever. He was always telling me, you know, Christianity is a white man's religion. Okay, well, eight chapters before the first white woman was saved, the Ethiopian Jew was saved. And he was from Ethiopia, which is uh, the part of Africa in those days. So eight full chapters before the first white person, a black person was saved, you know. Next time somebody tells you that, point that out, okay. Christianity was a Jewish religion. Black religion, white religion, everybody's religion. Everybody needs to get saved. So, here's how it happens. Setting sail from Troas, this is verse 11, 
We made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in the city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women that had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul and after she was baptized and her household as well. And she urges saying, if you have judged me to be faithful in the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Did you catch it? The Lord opened her heart to pay attention what was said by Paul. The Lord opened her heart, meaning God's work, implying that she would not have paid attention to what Paul was saying, but God gave her grace. Now remember, she was a worshiper of God, so she had already received God's grace. But God gave her additional grace, bringing her to salvation. Did she exercise her faith and made a decision? Yes. Who gave her faith? God did, by grace. So the only way you can get out of this condition that I just described, if God gives you more grace or he gives you prevenient grace to bring you out. You see, you were living your life in this world and you realize this life is not for me. Or maybe somebody invited you to a church and you were like, you know what the guy is saying makes sense to me. That was not you. You were being worked on by God. God was opening your eyes. He was causing you to pay attention to the teaching of his word. He was doing all those things in your life, unbeknownst to you, to bring you to the state of salvation. That's how you got out of the mire. God took you out of the mire. And so, going on, this grace given to everyone, this is Chris Bounds again, makes possible the reception of additional divine grace and a response to it. As God's grace comes at different times and places in life, prevenient grace enables people to receive it and then empowers them with the choice to cooperate with what God is doing in the moment or not. As such, in any positive human action, in the way of salvation, there is first God's grace, followed by human reception and cooperation with it through prevenient grace. This is God's work in our hearts. Charles Wesley, I got to quote Wesley's hymn here. All for a thousand tongues to sing, this Wesley's hymn. He says this, this hymn was written in his anniversary of his salvation. He wrote a hymn to celebrate his first year of being saved. He says this, on this glad day, talking about his day of salvation, the glorious sun of righteousness arose. On my benighting soul he shone and filled it with repose. Benighted, he used to pick his word very carefully, means to be in darkened. You can't see, you can't move because it's dark. On my benighting soul, the sun of righteousness, Jesus Christ, shone and filled it with repose. Sudden expired the legal strife. That's Romans chapter 7. Remember, we read, what I want to do, I cannot do, because the law came and showed me that I was sinful. 
Go to Romans chapter 7, 7 verse 5. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in a new way of the Spirit in the written code. What shall we then say? That the law is sin? By no means. If it had not been for the law, I would not have known sins. I would not have known what is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. What is he saying? Paul had a struggle in his life. He knew what was right. That's why it's important to preach God's law. The law of God comes in and shows you how much of a failure you are. Jesus says, you've heard us say, thou shalt not commit adultery. I say to you, if you look at a woman and lost after her, you've committed adultery in your heart. You're cut off from God. One sin cuts you off from God. So as you look at God's law, and God's law shows you your sin, and you're under conviction of that sin, a struggle begins to happen. That's what Paul is describing here. I lived without the law. The law came, showed me who I was, and there was a struggle in my life. Wesley is describing that sudden expired the legal strife was then I ceased to grieve. My second real living life I then began to live. That's salvation in that very little paragraph there. He's describing his life before as he's struggling with sin and then something happened. I began to live. Look at the next stanza. Then with my heart... I first believe, believe with faith divine, power with the Holy Ghost received to call the Savior mine. Who believed? I did. With what faith? The one that God gave me. My heart believed, believe with faith divine, power with the Holy Ghost received to call the Savior mine. You see that? I'm believing God is the one giving me faith. I'm calling Him my Savior how? By the power that I receive from the Holy Spirit. You see the dance between the Spirit of God and the work of grace in your life, and you're receiving and cooperating with it. It's described there. That's what happened to Lydia in the book of Acts. God opened her heart to pay attention to what Paul was saying and brought her to salvation. And she believed, but God gave her the grace to believe. I felt my Lord's atoning blood close to my soul applied, me, me he loved, the Son of God, for me, for me he died. You can picture him jumping as he's writing that. That's a description of how we get saved in that hymn. People say, why don't you listen to modern stuff? I have Wesley. That's why. So God's work, this is important. God's work comes to us through his grace. I think I have this quote back to Chris Bounce. People cannot recognize their fallen state unless the Spirit brings this recognition. They cannot repent of their sins unless the Spirit empowers them to do so. They cannot turn toward God unless the Spirit enables them. They cannot exercise faith to believe whenever they hear the gospel unless the Spirit creates such faith in them. Therefore, prevenient grace given to all does not restore to people the ability to progress in the way of salvation 
All it does is enable them to cooperate with further grace made available at divinely appointed times and places through the means of grace. God has given us a, the means of grace, the preaching of his word, baptism, holy communion, prayer with the saints. That is God's means of grace. That's how he makes his grace available to us. How does God give his grace to people? How does God work to create repentance and faith in human lives? God's, God works through appointed channels and means as people are exposed to the means of grace, as they wait upon God in the means of grace, as they hear the gospel, partake in baptism, holy communion, participate in the body of Christ, study the Bible, pray, fast, etc. The Holy Spirit works through these to awaken people to their spiritual condition, to empower repentance, and to create saving faith. Why is that important for us to understand? Because we, be, we live in humanistic times where we believe that we can do anything that we decide. This is false. You cannot get saved and be born again and be good enough to go to heaven. You're dead in trespasses and sins. The means of grace are the means that God uses to draw sinners to himself, to open their eyes and enable them to believe at his appointed time. The reason why this is important is because if we, if the church does not offer and make available the means of grace to people, the proper teaching of the Word of God, for example, the proper preaching of law and gospel, then grace is not, it's, it's hindered to do the work in people's hearts. That's why that is important. So what, what we think that we can do is that we can somehow manipulate people into making a decision for Jesus by using emotions or whatever to get them to come down to an altar and repeat a prayer and they get saved. But they, the work of God upon the heart needs to precede all of that. And it's important for us to realize that. I mean, I, I, remember, I remember in Bible Institute, they had this preaching class where the emphasis was like, you got to make an altar call. Every time you preach, you've got to make an altar call because you've got you to strike when the iron is hot. Because if they leave, you know, they leave without getting saved. If they don't go up the altar and they leave, you know, they, they might be lost or they might die. And it's, it, are you people crazy? Is God not sovereign? Is God not sovereign in the lives of people? Is God like, oh, he had an accident. Well, there goes that. No. Our job is to present and make available the channels of grace so can, God can do the work in the heart and bring people to salvation. That's what that means. In fact, in Acts, Acts chapter 2, 42, look at how this worked in the early church. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says, And they devoted themselves. This is how they did church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions, belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So what were they doing? 
the means of grace, the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, that's communion, prayer, fellowshipping. As they are doing those things, God was adding people as they were being saved to their congregation. So if you walked up to Peter and was like, what kind of follow-up ministry do you have? People follow the Holy Ghost here because God is saving them. That's our follow-up ministry. We do the things that we are told to do to preach the Word of God, to concentrate on the apostles' teaching. And as we do that, God's grace goes out and works in the hearts of people, and He adds to the church as He saves people. This is God's work. This is why this is important. Because we're living in times. You know, people, people make such an emphasis today in numbers. You know, your church is small, or how many people do you have, or is it growing, or we need a larger congregation. You can get a bunch of people into a building, but you cannot regenerate their souls. The Spirit of God does that, and He works through the means that He has appointed. The Bible says, how are they going to hear without a preacher? And how is there going to be a preacher unless somebody sends them? The preacher, or the preaching of God's Word is the means by which God draws people to himself and saves them and gives them more grace. So this is important for us to understand as a church because this is the work that was done in your heart before you believed. God came to you in his word somehow. Somehow. See, people who are born in the Christian faith are more accountable, number one, because they know more. But if you are a genuine Christian, a faithful Christian, the means of grace through the prayer in your home, through the teaching of the Bible, through bringing your kids to, to church so they can hear the, the word being preached, prayer meetings, Bible study, or whatever, God's grace is going out to your children as they hear it and working in their hearts. Now, God's grace is not irresistible. That's why I'm not a Calvinist. It's resistible. You could resist the, the grace of God, but as it goes out, it enables them to believe and to come to Christ. So it's important for us to have God's grace in our homes through the preaching of His Word, through prayer, and through doing all those things because that's how our children are going to get saved. Your relatives are going to get saved. Your co-workers and people in church. Our focus is not... How many people are we going to get in here? Our focus is, how are we, are we going to be faithful with the means that God has given us in preaching His Word and fellowship, and the Lord will add to our church such as they're being saved. That's, that's why this is important to understand the condition of sinfulness into which we're born. And I believe that because we have forgotten about the doctrine of sin, we have forgotten about the means of grace. Because we really don't believe we're as sinful as we are, or as the Bible tells us that we are. We believe we're pretty good. We believe we can, we made mistakes, and then we believe that we perhaps were not race right, or, or you know, I was, I was, you know, I didn't have a father, right? I, I had a bad environment. No, you have an internal condition. You're a son of Adam. You have wickedness in your heart. You need God's grace to work in your heart. 
That's why you made the decisions that you made. So that's why you, you need to understand that. So when you see people, when you see people in the world, in the news, in politics, doing stuff, understand they have an internal condition and it's gonna always gonna work itself out. Always. So I believe I have more. In summary, we were dead in trespasses and sin, blind with no desire to seek God in darkness. But God in his mercy sought you out and turned you, enabled you, and by grace brought you to Christ. Even though the indictment about sin is depressing, the hope of God and the power of the Holy Spirit is amazing, hopeful, and exciting. God is working to restore mankind, and you and I and his church are the means by which he's going to do that. That makes us responsible for our surroundings. You remember when we talked about the doctrine of man, we talked about we all being given a sphere of influence, right? If you're a mom, your kids are your sphere of influence. If you're, you, you're working somewhere, your co-workers, if, if, I don't know, if you have a podcast, whoever listens to you, if you preach your church, we all have a garden. Like Adam was given a garden. And we were told to work it, right? God said work it and, and maintain it. So our sphere of influence is our garden. We have to work it. And we work it by putting out God's word and his means of grace. We are the vehicles that God is going to use to bring salvation to people. So we are responsible. But understand that we cannot, we cannot manipulate people. We preach the word and we go to sleep. <laughs> we preach the word and we go to sleep. God will do the rest of the work. So that's, that's that idea that we have to make an altar call. Because if they leave, they're going to crash. God is sovereign. God does not sleep. He doesn't slumber. He's working. You preach the word. You are faithful with what you have been given. You go to sleep. God will do the work in the hearts of the people. Also, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, the same thing applies to you and me in sanctification. We're sanctified by the means of grace, by the preaching of the word, by prayer, by the Bible, by holy communion, by fellowshipping. We are sanctified by the use of God's means of grace. God will give you grace that's how you have victory over sin in your life, etc. Because we're still receiving God's grace every day. When you read your Bible, you're not just getting information to your brain. You're receiving grace into your heart mysteriously, but you are. You don't feel it. It's unbeknownst to you, but it's there. God is working. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. But it's the same thing, the means of grace, an important doctrine that we forgot about. But this, I know I'm getting to the... Doctrine of salvation, which is next, but this is the preliminary work. This is the bridge from your sinful condition onto Christ. This is the bridge that takes you there. Understanding of the gospel and God's word and his grace in our lives is very important for us. So, again, as a church, our job is one, being faithful to what we have been giving and let, and let the Lord do the rest of the work that he needs to do and that he knows how to do at the appointed time that he does it. Amen? Amen. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that you have brought us to Christ, that you saw us, Lord, in our condition, 
but you didn't leave us there, Lord. We thank you that you are taking the initiative, Lord, to take us out, Lord. We know that we could not have done it ourselves, that we did not want to move towards you, Lord, that we didn't even know our own condition until you came and you showed us, Lord, and you brought us and you made us pay attention to your word and you gave us life, Lord. We thank you so much, Lord, and we pray that you not only always keep that in our minds, that what you have done for us, Lord, but you may help us, Lord, uh, be vehicles of your grace towards other people and towards those who are around us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Followers of the Way podcast. If you like more information about Followers of the Way Church, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. We trust and hope that you've enjoyed hearing God's word and how to apply it to our lives. Our podcast is updated weekly, so remember to follow us here at Followers of the Way.